girl's in there. It's weird and pissed off, whatever it is. She just goes a little mad sometimes. We all go a little mad sometimes. Game over, man. Game over. What an excellent day for an exorcism. You are invited to an open house where horror will be your host. Don't fall asleep. So, Liz, you've now had... Oh, I've got some kind of effect on my voice. Ooh. (laughs) Are we we not going to know until it goes out to the public what you sound like? Probably. Something like that. I don't know. Oh, can we say shout out to, we got a shout out for one of our listeners who was about to send us, they were about to send us a message saying that they were really worried about you and I and they were worried about the amount of cocaine that the two of us were doing because our voices just were getting like so fast and we were like, oh my God, let me tell you about this new thing. And then we got, oh my God. And it turned out she'd accidentally put us onto like one and a half times speed. Brilliant. <laughs> And so was just listening to each episode. It just was getting progressively like faster and faster. And she just straight away went, oh, yeah, it's the cocaine that's going up. Yeah. I can tell you we are not making cocaine money. Oh, my God. If we were making cocaine money, we would get this podcast done in like 15 minutes. Well, you wouldn't, but I would. We're not even making pixie stick money. <laughs> like we, we can't even afford a sugar rush. I would just like get it all done and be like, blah, 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 blah. Up and out and driven home and you're still sitting there. I'll just insert some jokes. <laughs> when I used to play in bands, one time my friends were concerned that my mood was a little low. Mm. So I didn't know this, but they put a whole bunch of meth in my beer. Oh. And I got up on stage and played the fastest show I've ever played in my life. And they like couldn't keep up because I was just like steam train steam coming out my ears. Wow. Just... And the thing, the thing that really tipped me off that I that I was on something was when I was driving out from the venue and just decided to do a full burnout in the middle of Peel Street, <laughs> and they were like, "Oh, he's a, he's a, he's a bit wind assisted." Wow! Oh my god! Do you know what I found out over the last week? And I did not know this before. What's that? Oh my god! Okay, so we know the film Titanic, yes, as directed by James Cameron. Yeah. Um. Well, it was a very long production shoot with that. Very difficult shoot. Obviously, anything working with water is difficult. Yeah, absolutely. Um, apparently, at one stage, somebody got into the lunch supply of clam chowder. Chowder. And spiked it with PCP. Holy shit. Nobody knew... And approximately something like, uh, it was like 40 to 50, uh, it was members of actors, staff, crew. So basically everyone, you know, you go out to the lunch, get your lunch. It was just random people who had eaten from that pot of clam chowder, all ingested PCP. And nearly, and basically everybody just started like wigging out on set. You would, Including yeah. people having extreme anxiety attacks. Um, I think somebody passed out. Wow. Um, people started just seeing things, people getting very aggressive. James Cameron was stabbed in the head with a pen. Whoa. And about five, about up to 40 to 50 people from Titanic ended up in the hospital <laughs> where people did tests and they were all uh, tested positive for PCP. <laughs> the studio did an investigation. Yeah. They have never found who spiked the clam chowder. That's amazing. They did make it in Mexico, so it might have just been someone just dumping their stash. They could have just been Mexican water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could have been. 
the cartel pipeline ruptured. Oh my god! Or the, just the wrong person who was really just yeah decided to just like I'm gonna piss in the clam chowder. <laughs> How come that never happens? How come my happy retirement Sally Ann's 65th birthday cake? How come that's never spiked with like PCP at work for free? Yeah, I don't know. Ripped off. Who's gonna waste good drugs? Yeah, uh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, you've had you've had a mild exposure to showbiz this week with your first ever appearance at the Adelaide Fringe Festival. Oh my god, showbiz is lit! It's pretty good. Yeah, um, I've been getting followed around for the last two months by a film crew. Uh, yes, that are making a documentary about sleep loss. Nothing to do with comedy or anything like that. I just happen to be the guy they knew in this city that doesn't sleep. <laughs> right. Uh huh. So they've been um, they've been trying to cure me of my insomnia and my sleep anxiety and all that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. Been doing How's a, that going? Well, actually pretty good. <coughs> Sorry. I've also had a really severe chest infection. But in the last week. Is that related to the showbiz week that uh, you've maybe, had? Hey, hey. <laughs> in the last week I came home and found a present out the front of my house. Oh. It was essentially a get well present from the film team. Oh. Who've been spending a lot of time with me and think that my personality is someone on the verge of a nervous breakdown. <laughs> and it's just me. <laughs> so they spent all this time with me and they're just like, oh my God, this guy, he's yeah, spiraling he's so right. hard. He's not right. So let's let's give him something to play. So they gave me a soccer ball to play with my son. And this okay. lovely card signed by all the staff and all the doctors. Thinking oh. of you, John, pull through us. He's like, this is just me. This is what I'm just like. just on the edge. Oh my God. A whole God. bunch of doctors are like, this dude's fucking cooked. Oh, my God. Wait till they get, like, two years in with a podcast. They'll just be like, oh, it's just fucking John. I was on a camera for two minutes with this doctor who's the head of the series. Mm. And the camera stops and he just turns to me and just goes, have you ever been tested for ADHD? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, you know what? Actually, this is – I think this explains, like, you know, the phenomenon of, like, why, you know, they have those, like, embarrassing bodies TV shows and those botched TV shows. A lot of countries, especially in America, like, health – the healthcare system is so unaffordable. Yeah. The only way you can get decent healthcare – um, in some states, is you've got to put yourself on live TV and expose your flap-flap to the world. What if you don't have a flap-flap? Well, your flip-flop. Your schlong-dong. Your (laughs) schlong-dong. Well, that was the original... Your droopy snoopy. (laughs) Because (laughs) you're on embarrassing bodies. It's likely to be a droopy snoopy. Absolutely, an anteater. Yeah. 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 Or a fungi... Fun... Guy? I don't know. A fungi no longer fun guy? Hey, there we go. That was the premise of the original Running Man, was that, you know, basically America devolved into this, what they are now. Yes. And in order to make money people and get healthcare, people would go on this reality TV thing where they have to, they have to avoid capture for a month. Yeah. That's exactly what's going on now. What, what? It's exactly this. It's like Squid Game. It's the same thing. And I yeah. told you, I was sitting there like recovering from like having one tooth replaced, yeah. which I couldn't afford. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, oh my God. Yeah. If I lost any more teeth, I'd Squid Game it. Yeah. You got to. Absolutely. Oh. Mind you, Squid Game was shit. Oh, did you, you didn't end up watching it. I didn't watch the whole thing. It was shit. You watched shit. like two episodes. You're shit. shit. Go play kick your soccer ball. That's the thing. Whenever everyone says that something's amazing, they're, all, they're either all right or all completely wrong. No. They got it right with Stranger Things. 
Because everyone went batshit for Stranger no, Things. No, because if you had if you had stayed with it, like the first couple of episodes is getting to know you, that's always bullshit. It's just like this is why you don't have friends, man. You've got to get through the shitty get to know your crap before you get to the good stuff. <laughs> Do you know how many Stereo Lab at the Gates and Cattle Decapitation albums I've sat there talking to people? No, you've got to wait. Wait, it gets good. It gets good. And the people just go <laughs> and fuck off. That's different. That shit never gets good. Mm-hmm. Squid Game does, all right? It really doesn't. Oh, my God. The old man sitting in the corner of the room. Ah! Of course he's in charge of all that shit. <laughs> is he? You're such a hater. Spoiler alert, is he? I'm not, I'm not telling you anything I'm until never you watching, watch it. Fuck, I'm not watching it. Yeah, watch it. We've yeah. had this bet before. Watch it. You never listen to me and I'm right about everything. Ever. You were right about Dog Soldiers. Yes. And you were right about, um, fuck, what's the vampire film? Near Dark. Near Dark. You were right about those. I'll give you that. And I'm right about Squid Game too. Well, all right. We'll see. <sighs> all right. Well, if you've got some like more movies that you think we need to expose John to, um, hook us up at realmothman at gmail.com and we'll try to get his ignorant ass onto the good stuff. Unless you're Alison Candy Dandy who sent me yet another dick pic. Oh, yes. Bless Alison. She did. I forgot to tell you. She sent us a message. She wasn't at our live show. Yeah. Um, she got sick. Aww. Boo. So in compensation, she said that she would send us another dick pic. And she did. Have you got it here today? No, my phone's on charge. It's horrendous. <sighs> All right, next week. Oh, spoiler it's, alert. Honestly, it's not even worth reviewing. Oh, that makes me want to see it more. I'll show you after the show. It's, it's a rather sad, flaccid cock. Save it for next week. Okay. The people have spoken. That's the only reason people tune in, on the hope that we might at some stage be reviewing another dick. We're going to review the wrong dick one day. <laughs> Someone's really going to take it personally. <laughs> no, you know what? As soon as you start sending your dick out... You're inviting public debate. That is true. Yeah. If it's not like the two of you have discussed about it and you're having a personal agreement to just show it to each other. Yeah. Don't revenge porn us with something that was provided yes. consensually. Yeah. We, we don't want that. But this is like, it's just an yeah. aggressive, you know, like, oh, how's your day? Bam! Yeah. If someone just James Franco'd you. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Then send it in. That Yeah. It might be it. James Franco's. <laughs> Nah, it's too big. It looked nah. It looks like it's fucking assisted by Hollywood elites. Oh, I feel like James Franco's dick would be crying. Probably for some reason. That'd be Jordan Peterson's dick. <laughs> it would just be James Franco going. <laughs> oh my god! Now I definitely don't want to see it. I didn't want to see it before. <laughs> now I definitely don't want to see it. Oh my god! Now don't mind me. I am just making myself uh, another another bourbon and coke. Yep. Mixing the premium bourbon I bought you for your birthday. Exactly. With Coca-Cola. It is. This is why no one puts PCP in your chowder. This is the Jim Beam Double Oak. Oh, feel free to sponsor us. This is, oh my God, this stuff is so smooth. Honestly, we're not being. Not the box, the bottle, you (laughs) moron. (laughs) We're not being sponsored in any way. Like, I just love Jim Beam, but this stuff, oh, the blue bottle. Oh, it's so smooth. It's heavenly. This is the bourbon you get in heaven. Oh, but. That's actually very nice. Oh, my God. And it's so smooth. We are not sponsored. (laughs) We should be, but we're not. My AA sponsor would be interested in me tasting that. Love you, Jim Beam Double Oak. But it doesn't count when it's the good stuff. When it's the high shelf stuff. You're allowed to have a snifter. Um. I thought I would break this out today for a couple of reasons. Okay. Because today we're doing an episode on a personal 
hero of mine. Okay. A man. That's oh, a man. <laughs> who lived. He's dead. His life. How we wanted to. Okay. A man <laughs> who faced death with the assured, special, regal character that only the inebriated can. Oh, God. We're not talking about Hunter S. Thompson, are we? <laughs> I'm so sick of that dude. No. If this was the Hunter Tent, I would be high on cocaine and I would be shooting myself out of a cannon. Yeah. It is not Hunter S. Thompson. Okay, good. Okay. Oh, my Lord. Okay, we should say, first of all, the first bit of this is not going to be is not going to be funny. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Just like the rest of the episode so far. And look, in no way, shape or form are we going to... We're not here to make fun of the Titanic. It's not funny. But we are going to talk about one of the people who was on the Titanic. Okay. Are you sure? Because tragedy plus time... Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's been 110 years. You know, yeah, too soon. <laughs> Look, the sinking of the Titanic was without question the worst civilian maritime sinking in history was at it? that stage. At that stage? Yes. Right. There were many reasons for this, not the least of which was the fact that it simply just didn't carry enough lifeboats. Yeah. And that's the sole reason why the majority of people died. The SS hubris, yeah. There were... Guess how many lifeboats were on the Titanic? It was something stupid like eight. It was like a piss-weak amount. There were 14 wooden lifeboats, which in theory could carry up to 65 people each. Yeah. Four collapsible wooden and canvas lifeboats. Yep which really turned out to be quite shit. Oh, dear. Um, which, in theory, could carry 47 people each. And two smaller collapsible lifeboats, which, in theory, were supposed to carry about 40 people each. Yeah. So, in theory, they had enough lifeboat seats for about a third yeah. of her capacity. Yeah. The real tragedy is the Titanic was originally designed to hold 64 wooden lifeboats. Yeah. That was in the original design. They were going to be all stacked up, which could actually save 4,000 people, which was much more than the actual 2,224 human souls that were on board. Yeah. And 12 dogs. Yeah. And they actually, so they had the infrastructure in place and the room to house the extra lifeboats. But when white light officials felt that all these lifeboats looked unattractive. Yeah. And so 50 wooden lifeboats were scratched from the plan. Don't you love it? Yeah. Don't you love it? Because just the rich fuckers were like, they'll just make the deck look unattractive. See, like, I mean, there's there's two ways that you can think about safety in my book. Mm-hmm. There's the, like, a seatbelt on a plane. Mm-hmm. It's going to save you from a little bit of turbulence, like uh-huh. from bonking your head on the roof and some turbulence. Yes. Beyond that, all they really do is keep your corpse in place <laughs> so it can be more easily identified. <laughs> That's about it. Or, uh-huh. so 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 for a large part, every time I click that seatbelt on, I'm just like, yeah, you're going to keep my teeth in the front seat. <laughs> Whereas on a boat, and I've, mm. I've done a lot of sailing, I've been in capsizers and stuff like that. Boats are fucking essential, like a lifeboat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
fucking essential. Actually, they have done numerous tests to work out what is the actual safest part of the plane. And they've got like the top 10 things where people could have survived. Yeah. But they didn't because they like fucked up one of these top <laughs> oh, 10. Really? We should do an episode on that. It's actually really fascinating. Okay. Um, and it's, it's if uh, the rare occasions I get on a plane, mm. I do it. Like these, like they've got these like top ten things that you sh- you can do to improve your chances. There you go. Okay, first, actually, one of the first things you can do is not travel in first class. Oh yeah, if you're in the pointy end. Yeah. Yeah, you're the one. You're one of the ones that was high fiving accounts as you went through the North Tower of the World Trade Center. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. So yeah, don't be those dudes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we should do an episode on that. It's actually and all the science that they do of actually like crashing test planes and oh then, yeah, you know, figuring how people die in planes is actually really fascinating. Yeah. It will also fill you with fear, and you will never want to get on an airplane ever again. Yeah, but then you then you see the odds of what happens in cars. I know, I know. You're, you're safer in the air than you are statistically Fucking driving nice. to the airport. But I think the difference is when you're in the plane, you've got so much longer to think about it when yeah. it happens. But they give you the tiny vodka to stop you thinking. <laughs> ah. <laughs> See, that's the problem with planes. I'm torn because I want to get so shit-faced on, like, Jim Beam, but I also want to be able to walk in case I need to, like, crawl out of the plane. Yeah. So, you know, oh, a little from Column A, a little from Column A. Can't you crawl? <laughs> Actually, you're better off crawling. Yeah. But that's, but that's another story. Just in life, generally, through the bar. Yeah. I can get one more in. Oh, Lord. Okay, so they don't have enough lifeboats on board. No. But do you want to know the real shit kicker? At the time, large vessels were only legally to require were legally required to provide 16 lifeboats. So technically, by adding its collapsible boats, it was providing more boats than it was legally required to provide. So they could spin that and go, we're safer than we need to be by law. Yeah. Holy shit. Because at the time, it's, you know, again, it was everyone had these sort of like rich British view of the world. Yeah. They just thought that the lifeboats would be there to just transport you to another ship and then it would come back and get the poor people. <laughs> yeah. Because it never occurred to them that you might just sink in the middle of the fucking ocean. And even though there's a ship nearby, it won't come and help. Yeah. Uh, learning the fucking hard way. I would rather be in a fucking plane crash than a ship sinking any day of the week. Oh, my God. It's fucking learning things the colonising British way. Fuck, this didn't go as planned at all. (laughs) Dead. Every time. Yep. Mm. Oh, my God. And actually, I looked up. It's so... If you're a if you're a working man, yeah, uh, or a working woman, and you want to get outraged, you should actually look at the statistics of how people survived on the first class uh, on the Titanic because people try to say, "Oh, your class didn't mean any difference." Oh no, fucking bullshit! Of course it did. If like we've got like the graph of like you know. Uh, the most people saved like second class children 100 percent. yep first class oh second on the list first class woman at 97 percent of them made it nice the ones who didn't make it were the ones who were like i'll stay with my husband yeah like the woman from was it macy's or one of those yeah, huge yeah, stores yeah. yeah um yeah she was offered a seat but she declined because her husband couldn't go yeah um 
so yeah, but that they there's a fucking ironclad prenup. She's like, oh, it's just not worth it. Yeah, I know. Oh my god, what it's going to cost? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll just drown in the icy waters of the North Atlantic. Yeah. So four of those women died, but uh, that was you know they chose to stay with their husbands, and then it's crew women, <coughs> and then it's second class women. Again, there was someone who kept their child because they thought it was safer. Yeah. But you know, so it's all it's all first class, first class, second class. Yeah, the third class is fucking right down. Yep. Right down the bottom. Like, oh, we've got this. Where was this stat? Like, uh, where are they? Okay, so first class children, they lost one. Okay, and that was again, that was just by accident. So it was like seventeen percent. I just misplaced it while I was skeet shooting on the top deck. I was packing a hamper. Third class children, 66%. Oh. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, don't tell me yeah. class doesn't make any part yeah, of that's, it. That's Catholic orphanage stats. Yeah, exactly. Ugh. Oh, Lord. They were probably using them to plug the holes. Yeah, <laughs> quick, put more orphans more, in it. More orphans. <laughs> These orphans do nothing against the Atlantic. Oh, not even slightly buoyant. <laughs> Try the Irish. They're probably drunk. <laughs> We've used them all in the boiler, sir. Oh, damn it. Oh, how the twisted irony. <laughs> the RMS Titanic uses 18 lifeboats and carries a large stock of orphans. <laughs> oh, deflate in case of sinking for a flotation <laughs> device. Oh, Lord. But you know what? So everyone, uh, you know, we all talk about, you know, the. I think this is why people are so fascinated by the Titanic. Because yeah. you literally have the polar opposites. On one hand, you see the absolute best in humanity. Yeah. You know, you see people nobly saving other people, giving up their seats in lifeboats. You see the band, you know. Literally who, giving us the greatest cliche of all time. You know, yeah. <laughs> who played, even in Broken Hill, like I was, I was a teenager, but I think before I saw water for the first time, <laughs> like in an open, uncontrolled space. Yeah. Um, even in our town park in the middle of nowhere, the hot, like this dry desert in the middle of nowhere, we had a park and in the middle of it, we had a statue dedicated to the band of the Titanic. There you go. True story. That's so, great. But then, yeah, obviously, on the other hand, you get some cases of the shittiest yeah. behaviour of humankind. So yeah. I think that's... And we always talk about the great love stories. You know, like I said, the, the old couple who wouldn't leave each other. So, yeah. you know, uh, went down hand in hand on the boat. It's very touching. But when we talk about the true love stories of the Titanic, we need to address the owners and dogs of the Titanic. Okay. There are also some beautiful love stories in there as well. Now, there were 12 dogs that were listed on the Titanic. Okay. And the reason they were listed was because you had to actually pay to bring your dog on board. Johnny Depp wouldn't have liked that. No. no. Well, he wouldn't have declared them, so no. it would have been fine. The fair to... <laughs> if he was still married to Amber. Yeah. Um, the fair to bring a dog was expensive. Okay. Basically, it was equal to... A child's fare. Right. Like a first class child's fare. So it wasn't cheap. No. You know, there was no Benny from the RSPCA down here. Uh, all the owners were wealthy Americans traveling first class. Yeah. Now, of these 12 dogs, only three were recorded as surviving the tragedy. No. One of those that perished was a French bulldog. As if you can't carry a French bulldog into a boat, honestly. Exactly. It was a French bulldog called Gamin de Pacom. 
His 27-year-old banker owner who escaped on a lifeboat didn't take his Frenchie. (coughs) If you ain't a French bulldog, you're a cunt. I like French bulldogs. They can't breathe. Oh, yeah, like the breeding, I'm saying. Yeah. Could have rescued it. Um, (laughs) I don't think it was. But I'm just saying, no, if you own a French bulldog and you don't take it on your lifeboat, you're... Yeah, you're an even bigger cunt. You're such a gigantic piece of shit. Yeah. A a 54-year-old stockbroker fled in a lifeboat, leaving his chow-chow behind. You can carry that. You can put it in your pocket. Wow. The chow-chow's name is unknown. No, chow-chow. His owner, (laughs) not only was he such a big piece of shit that he abandoned the chow-chow... All right. He then later put in a uh, tried to sue the White Star for damages, in which he included fifty pounds for his chow chow. If you hadn't left it behind, cunt! Unbelievable! Oh my god! Who would have thought a stockbroker would be so evil? <laughs> On the other hand, he, we begin the heroes of this story. Excellent. Enter our noble heroes. Anne Isham was aged 50 years. So basically out of the the dogs there, the rest of the dogs were larger dogs, so Irish wolfhounds. Uh, Anne Isham, aged 50 years, refused to get into a lifeboat, so she actually made it up with her dog to the lifeboat. But she refused to get in the lifeboat without her dog. It was believed he was a Great Dane. That's a big fucking dog. And they refused to take the dog in the lifeboat. Yeah. So she refused to get in and save herself and stayed on board with her great Dane. That's admirable. Now, and this is, oh my God, I'm going to get all teary. I need another drink. (laughs) Later, a story would emerge. So as we know, the Titanic sank. And then after dawn, you know, the Carpathia arrived. They sent out boats. To try and search. Yeah. Obviously, all the frozen bodies, you know, in the water. Yeah. Later, a story would emerge from rescuers that as their boat moved through the waters after the tragedy, they saw a woman in the ocean in a life vest, with her arms frozen around a large dog also in a life vest. Aww. It was believed to be Anne and her great Dane, the two dying together. No. Their bodies were not recovered. No. I'm getting all teary. <laughs> That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. Three small dogs were saved from the Titanic. Hooray! Huzzah. All thanks to their owners. Two Pomeranians and a Pekingese. Margaret Hayes, age 24, was travelling with her Pomeranian called Lady. No. Margaret put on her life jack and cradled Lady in her arms, wrapped in a blanket for warmth by the lifeboats. An American passenger, James Smith, looked at Lady and snorted, Ew! <coughs> this was a quote that she reported. Yeah. Ew! As appears we ought to put a lifesaver on the little doggy too! James Smith did not survive. Excellent. Publisher Henry Harper climbed into a lifeboat with his wife, uh, Myra. There are two servants, and he took their Pekingese dog. 
name unrecorded. Okay. Elizabeth Barrett Rothschild, age 54, saved her Pomeranian, name unrecorded, by clutching onto her Pomeranian and holding him in her arms in the lifeboat. When the Carpathia drew alongside the lifeboat, they refused to take the Pomeranian on board. Just survived a sinking! It's a Pomeranian. It's not really going to get in the way. Ah, fucking people are shit. But they refused to take the Pomeranian on board. Elizabeth told the crew where to go (laughs) and that she would just stay in the lifeboat rather than leave her beloved Pomeranian companion (coughs) behind. The crew relented and eventually hoisted both Elizabeth and the Pomeranian (laughs) on board. Elizabeth's husband did not survive the disaster. Oh, Jesus. I wonder if the Carpathians, like, they had the um, some kind of strange maritime superstition. Oh, you can't be having no Pomeranian on board your ship. <laughs> it's a pom- bad omen. The Pomeranian brings the mist, and the mist <laughs> bring the kraken. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, just roll up and just be like, can you imagine how different, like, aliens the film would be if that survival crew rocked up and went, oh, no, she's got a cat, fuck this. <laughs> Just pushes her back out into yeah. space. I think we can also safely assume that rescue crews on a salvage ship in deep space are just as horny as most people. <laughs> and they've just found an intact woman. <laughs> and suddenly they're all like, oh my God, I love cats too. Very much so, yeah. Cutting out pictures of cats in magazines <laughs> hung in their bunkers. See, this is, this is my cat, Sir Fluffy Snatch. <laughs> Oh Lord! But yeah, so that was that was some positive stories. At least that's good. You know, some people saved their little puppies. Yeah, and at least a few people that died deserved it. Yeah, pieces of shit. Yeah. Now, after the disaster, a British Titanic inquiry commenced into just how this unsinkable vessel sank, and just why so many lives were lost. Now, interviewing the survivors, one of the inquiry members almost became fixated on one person and kept grilling that passenger on just how drunk they were <laughs> when the Titanic sank. In one of history's worst disasters, an unlikely hero would emerge. As this week, we meet the 33-year-old man who survived the worst civilian maritime incident <coughs> of his day by getting <coughs> so spectacularly drunk he was too shit-faced and no, he was dead. That's so good. In this week's episode of Charles Jordan, the Titanic's chief baker, or getting baked, <laughs> or women, children, and whiskey first. Fantastic. Now, Charles was born on the 3rd of August, 1878 in Birkenhand, England, to pub owners... John and Ellen. It's in their blood. Absolutely. 0.08%. Now, anyone who's out there has got a child, you need to think about this and think, okay, maybe this is where we're going wrong with my kid. Okay. Okay. At age 11, Charles went to sea to work. 11? 11. Holy fuck. (laughs) I'm just saying, you know. Holy shit. He went to sea and worked. It was 1878. He was probably a late bloomer, to yeah, be honest. Yeah, probably, yeah. And he worked his way up the ranks from 
you know, hole plug. Yeah. To eventually becoming a chief baker on numerous vessels owned by the White Star Line. At age 28 on the 17th of November 1906, Charles married Louise Woodward in 1907. They welcomed their first child, a daughter named Agnes. Then in 1909, they welcomed a son named Roland. Hey. Roland, Roland, Roland. Charles worked baking bread on the Titanic on his delivery chip from Belfast to Southampton. I like how people welcome births. This is never, never begrudgingly accept. They begrudgingly accepted a son and called it Roland. Yeah. Because they uh, had needed something. Yeah. Just, uh, what are we going to talk about for the next five years? Uh, oh, what are we going to do when we're old? We don't have superannuation yet. Uh, uh, pop out a kid. Yep. It'll have to feed us. Charles, <laughs> so he worked baking bread uh, when the Titanic was delivered. And once they reached Southampton, he signed on as the Titanic's head baker. Pretty cruisy job. Absolutely. He would receive a monthly wage of £12. Are you fucking kidding me? £12. £12. That's for the chief job. 144 quid a year. And he had a staff of 13 bakers beneath him. Holy shit. <laughs> you couldn't think how much were they getting paid a year. Fuck that. Oh, God, I hate the old days. Yeah. <laughs> Although, once we work out for inflation, he's probably earning more than we are now. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Back when, you could buy a house for a shilling back then, <laughs> so, you know. For a song. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Now, when the Titanic struck the iceberg at 11.40 p.m., Charles was off duty and sound asleep in his cabin. The force of the impact was enough to jolt the man awake who quickly rose, dressed and headed out to find what had happened. Charles heard from the upper decks that the crew were preparing the lifeboats for launch. Jesus. Charles knew what had to be done and he, thinking rather long term, had the idea that he gathered his 13 bakers together and took them all to the kitchens. There, he loaded the bakers up with all the bread and biscuits that they had already made in the kitchen and instructed the bakers to ensure each lifeboat received fresh rations. Good dude. Like, all of the wooden craft were supposed to already have, like, a tin of those really horrible, <laughs> will-withstand-anything biscuits. Yeah. Yeah. But no, he lo- got them to load up with fresh bread and biscuits. Very forward thinking of Yeah, them. that's good of him. So he told them to make sure that every lifeboat received rations. The bakers loaded the first lifeboats, then returned for more provisions, which Charles prepared. Then the baker instructed his bakers to go to their designated lifeboats. Charles then stopped off at his cabin for a quick drink. Yes. Steady one's nerves. He knows what he's in for. Mm-hmm. Yep. This is not his. This is not his first pleasure cruise. <laughs> After a uh, shot of courage, Charles went to lifeboat ten, where he helped the stewards and sailors load women and children onto lifeboat ten. The lifeboat was half filled. So it was only filled with women and children at this stage. Yeah. But then they appeared to run out of women and children to put in the lifeboats. 
as women and other passengers were actually physically resisting, literally running away from Charles and the sailors as they were trying to put women and children into the lifeboats. Because, of course, this was at the beginning. Yeah. Um, and it was a mixture. Women, and because he, he heard, like, you know, people, when women were fighting back saying, no, we're safer on the ship. Oh, you fuckwits. They were so convinced that the ship was not going to sink and all the hype and publicity that they literally ran away when he was trying to put them onto the lifeboat. Charles, however, was not content to just stand there and wait. Yep. So he and a steward and a sailor actually went running onto other decks where they forcibly grabbed women and children Uh and dragged them back to the lifeboat... To put them on the lifeboats. Wow. And he was saying as it went on, the lifeboat had actually started to tilt. Yeah. So he brought back these women and children and they were literally throwing them Wow. into the lifeboat. Wow. And some of them were like kicking and screaming as they were going in. So they did that. They still had room left in the boat. Yeah. So... Uh, the baker, Charles, another steward and a sailor, went back out, got another round of women and children. As I said, in this case, he brought back, he just picked up the two kids yep. and marched them to the lifeboat. The mother started, you know, following after them because this guy has her kids. Yeah. Threw the kids in the lifeboat. Yeah. And then they were just going to throw her in the lifeboat. Um, she insisted she didn't want to be thrown. She wanted to step. Yep. She missed her step fell, but was grabbed by the people in the deck below and pulled back onto the ship. Wow. So, yeah, they literally had to force people into it. Fucking hell. (laughs) And without question, he saves those people's lives. Yeah, yeah. Eventually, there was just one seat left in the light boat, which Charles was supposed to take because he was supposed to be the captain of that lifeboat. Yeah. Every lifeboat had a designated captain. It was supposed to be to keep other people calm and, you know, get them to row the oars. Yeah. And keep order. So he was supposed to get onto that and there was one seat left in the boat. Yeah. And the other people in the boat told Charles to get in. But at that moment, Charles saw a young woman with a baby in her arms appear on the deck. Oh. She was looking lost, confused and scared and not knowing where to go. So Charles, instead of climbing into the safety of the lifeboat, gave his seat to the young woman and her child. Yeah. And then the boat was lowered to safety. So it was lowered to safety. Now Charles, now knowing full well the situation before them, Charles returned inside the ship for a couple of stiff drinks. Fair call. <laughs> Where he returned to his cabin and took all of his stiff, stiff drinks straight. Nice. Mm-hmm. Well, they didn't really have Coca-Cola back then. Oh, they did. And because it was so funny and afterwards with all the questions, it was like, what did you, you had a drink? I had a tumbler. <laughs> so next, like a whole glass yeah. of, uh, of booze. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Charles then returned topside. <laughs> Rather <and> tipsy. <laughs> a little bit tipsy. But 
began helping to load the rest of the lifeboats. Good on him. An exercise which became more and more panicked. Yep. By about 1.30am, every lifeboat on board the Titanic had been launched and Charles was on none of them. Fuck. As the last lifeboat was lowered into the ocean, Charles returned inside the ship. Finding whiskey! He returned to his cabin and began an appropriately hard drinking session. Now, this is a point for a good question, Arikin, because Charles... He spent his working life on the White Star Line. Mm-hmm. He knows the ocean. Uh-huh. He knows that he's going to die. Yes. He knows that. If you were in his position, mm-hmm. what would be your I'm going to fucking die, fuck it plan? Shit-faced drunk. Shit-faced drunk. Would you like get, like get into the water or would you like find a high point of the ship? Would you shoot yourself? What would you do? Oh, God, no. I'm, like, I, I'm, I'm definitely not a shooting myself person. Okay. I'm a... No matter what the small chance is yeah. of a micro point, I'm determined to try and find that. Yeah. And who's going to try and save this chow chow? Fair enough. Okay. I would be Ellen Ripley trying to save the chow chow. Yeah. That's what I would be doing. You know, I, I definitely agree. Go for the Jim Beam Double Oak Blue Label yeah. and Coke. And fucking tie one on. And I'd get straight into the first class. None of this bottom barrel shit. No. I would be in first class all the way. Yeah. You know what? I'd light a cigar. I'd go find a first class bed, take a shit on it. (laughs) And I'd drink all their first class booze. (laughs) And I'd get very, very drunk. And I I would then try and find the best vantage position to watch the boat sink. Oh, I'd release the lobsters. Yeah. <laughs> Into the Atlantic where they freeze. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, no, I, uh, yeah. I would find the fanciest thing I could find to put on. Yeah. Like some just ridiculous headpiece. <laughs> like, just giant. Oh, look at me. Look at me, fucking And then just get spectacularly shit-faced. Yeah. This is why this man is my icon. I'd be standing out. I'd be there with the band just going, play Thunderstruck. (laughs) This is why Apollo 11 would have been a very different film if it was you and I in that space capsule. (laughs) (laughs) It's just me drunk, no pants, floating past in the background. (laughs) Suddenly there's droplets in the... What's this? Like, no, you just pissed yourself. (laughs) Oh, my God. Why not? Why not? Exactly. Yeah. Treat yourself. That's it. If you've always wanted to know what it's like to feel, to have a pants full of warm piss, this is the time to do it. Mind you, that's just any time you go to the beach. (laughs) But yeah, shit on a first class bed. I like that. That's good. Well, yeah, like you said, this, I mean, this guy had been at sea for 22 years. Yeah. Like two thirds of his life. He knows when a ship goes down. Yeah. He knows there's no lifeboats. He knows because he's part of the crew. So he's hearing the stuff. He knows no one's coming. Yeah. He yeah. knows they're fucked. He knows they're going to die. Yeah. But, oh. So there he sat in his cabin and he continued to drink. Even as the icy waters of the North Atlantic begin to flow into his cabin. Fuck that. In his description, it was around, it came in and it was around his ankles. Ugh. Upon reaching the bottom of the bottle, Charles returned to the top side and had one of those spectacular drunk ideas. Ah, uh, yes. As I do. As I I'm going to drive to Melbourne. <laughs> 
oh my god like just some of the best ideas i've ever had in my life have been shit face drunk i just wish i could remember them in the morning yeah but at the time spectacular (laughs) sure yeah yeah oh so he decided that looking around he could see there were all these deck chairs piled up against the the side of the boat yeah so he began one by one throwing all of the chairs off the boat into the sea okay because it suddenly occurred to him that maybe the people could use the chairs as flotation devices. <laughs> and we could all just get on the chairs and we can float back to island. <laughs> so he stood there throwing deck chairs. So he just, he just looked like a rolling stone, basically. Yeah, just woo, everything overboard. To his memory, nobody else was throwing deck chairs <laughs> overboard. Party for one. It was just only him. Yeah. There was no direction to do so. It was just here, I get it. I will float. See, I would have thought you'd at least like try and strap some of those flotation devices to it and make like some kind of sweet floating throne. <laughs> but no, again, this is like, even at this moment, Charles is thinking of everybody else. Yeah. Because there's already people in the water screaming, crying. There's people just... He knows what do we all do. So he threw all, like, there's all, like, 50 chairs overboard. Yeah. Thinking of everybody else. This guy is a fucking legend. Yeah. You know, you're inside shitting on a bed. <laughs> I'm just like, la da da in my fancy hat. We're not giving a fuck about everyone. Just just wearing a chow-chow on my hand. I'd tip over a grandfather clock. <laughs> Oh, that'd be cool. Just hear it go clang. Oh, I'd smash some snow globes. Oh, absolutely. Oh. Be great fun. Oh. Woo! Put PCP in the chowder. <laughs> Strike James Cameron with a pen. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, so once he had thrown all of the chairs, once they'd all been dispatched into the sea, Charles returned back inside the ship. There he struggled as his feet had to wade through water until he reached the pantry and tossed back another drink as he told a rather angry-looking inquiry later, um, of water? (laughs) No one believes this was water at this stage. Why do they care? I mean, (laughs) because do you know what? It was probably White Star. They were probably going to dock his pay. Yeah, going to bill him for it. Yeah. Drinking company liquor. (laughs) It was three pounds, sixpence. Oh, Lord. So he went back and tossed back another drink. Finger quote of water. Yeah. You know, because you need need to hydrate. We all know that. Yeah. Then he heard a loud noise. In his words, quote, as if part of the ship had buckled. Oh, dear. Hearing the noise, he casually walked out to the outside deck of the ship. Have a look. Charles was on the ship's stern when the ship broke in half. Fuck. My ass would have split in half as I shat myself. Yeah, I would have gone off like one of the flares they were sending. Without question, this had to have been one of the most terrifying moments of the Titanic. Oh, yeah. Yet Charles <laughs> thought of it as a mere, quote, his words, 
great list over to the port. Wow. He's a seasoned sailor, though. There was no great shock or anything. How drunk do you have to be? That's pretty fucking pissed. <laughs> Ship, literally, bam, like a Kit Kat. It's a bit of a rumble. It's all right. Charles then casually moved with the crowd towards the poop deck. And he's I'm guessing very- every deck was the poop deck at this point. <laughs> oh my god, absolutely! And it's because, like, in his testimony, he's talking about like how you know, obviously, everyone is just running about, you know, and screaming and just in terror during this whole bit. He is just casually walking. He's strolling, really, at this stage. Yeah. Oh my god, that was a loud bang, wasn't it? Oh my god. So he's moving across the poop deck. Whilst crossing the well deck, which is a lower deck, Uh the ship listed to port again, and according to Charles, threw everyone in a bunch for him against the far wall. He had already been clinging to the handrail for dear life, (laughs) so it was unaffected. Charles... Kept moving forward. Fucking hell. And made it to the stern railing. (coughs) And there he positioned himself so that he was on the outside of the railing. Right. As the ship began to go down. So, and we're going to use it for reference because the uh, most people know of the Titanic, of course, they know from the James Cameron film. Yeah. Okay. And if you, I don't know if you remember the, James Cameron's Titanic. You know, Rose and Jack are on the outside of the ship and they look over and there's just a guy in white who's yeah. also on the railing. That is the baker. No and that, shit. He literally did a Jack and Rose. That's brilliant. And climbed onto the outside of the railing. The only one thinking straight forward <laughs> in this crisis. <laughs> so, in the final moments, as the last piece of the Titanic began to sink, Charles tightened his life vest, removed some of the items from his pockets, just casually went through his pockets, Yep. straightened his baker's hat. That champion. Which he put on to to just, or through all of this, just put his baker's hat on. That's brilliant. Straightened his baker's hat and calmly stood, quote, wondering what to do. I'm here. Might as well get about dying. <laughs> Make sure my hat's straight. Just, just, oh, 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 the irony. Oh, I'll just, these lifesavers in my pocket, how they mock me. <laughs> Charles rode the Titanic down as if she were an elevator. And once she reached the water's edge, he says he simply... Stepped off. As you would. Thus, Charles became the last person off the Titanic. Charles claims his head never went below the water's edge. In his words, his head may have been wetted, but no more. (laughs) Thus, the Titanic was gone at 2.20am, April the 15th. 1912. 
This was also the exact moment the White Star Line stopped paying the crew of the Titanic. That's awesome. Oh, my God. Who, who was the measly accountant who just went, click, <laughs> everyone's clocked off? <laughs> who was it? How much of a cunt do you have to be? Not even let him. You know what? We'll just, we'll pay him for the day. Nah. We'll fucking pay him for the day, mate. <sighs> they are fucking mean. Fucking White Star and Amazon, I tell you. Yeah. Oh, my. Oh, that was like the Amazon factory when they fucking, they forced people to stay into work and walk before Christmas, even though the tornado was coming and the tornado sirens were going off. And yeah. Then it wiped out the tornado and killed everybody. I bet you they s- stopped paying everybody at the minute. Guaranteed. They went flying through the air. If you're not packing, you're on your own time. There's not even a first class bed to shit on. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe just a prime parcel? Oh, just just do it in an envelope and just put it in the outbox for Bezos. <laughs> oh, Lord. That little tube that takes things directly to the, like, the old the old timey <laughs> tube. <laughs> just do a shit in that. Straight into it. Fuck <laughs> you. Just pretend it's the airlock in Aliens. <laughs> I can't wait till they find this 57 years from now. <laughs> oh, Lord. So here we have it. The Titanic is down. Now in the freezing waters, which Titanic second officer Charles Lightoller described as, uh, quote, striking the water was like a thousand knives being driven into one's body. Okay. Amongst the chaos and the screams, Charles began to doggy paddle about. As you do. It was dark. I couldn't <laughs> see anywhere to go. He Looking did- for a deck chair? <laughs> yeah, I'm getting here somewhere. He did this for approximately two and a half hours. Holy shit. Guaranteed in his head, he would. I'm a pina colada. <laughs> Get caught in the rain. Uh, or whatever the equivalent was back then. Yeah. Hello, my baby. Hello, my darling. Hello, my ragtime guy. Some racist shit. Who knows? <laughs> yes. Uh, so he, he paddled about for two and a half hours until dawn began to rise. Yep. Then he saw in the distance an upturned lifeboat. That had 25 to 30 men standing on it. Right. So in all the confusion, it was one of those, I think it was one of those half canvas, half wood boats had overturned. So the men were now standing on it because there was no way to turn it over. Yeah. So they were standing on it. Um, So there was no room to pull him on board because obviously they were all precariously. Yeah. But one of the men, a cook named Isaac Maynard, recognised Charles and offered his hand and held his hand so that the baker would not float away. Oh, That's a good fucking work, That's mate, a good right mate. Because I imagine he was just like... <laughs> just drunk story. <laughs> He's just going, can you give me a reference? I'm going to need a new job. Yeah, oh my God. I think we stopped getting paid three hours ago, so this is now on my time. Yeah. You know, to start networking immediately. I call this LinkedIn. <laughs> I was about to make it say that. <laughs> Jinx. 
<laughs> oh my god. Later, another rescue lifeboat would pass and say that uh, on the search because they had ten seats available in their lifeboat. So they had come back and they were trying to find if they could find 10 people still alive. Yeah. Um, Because I think, you know, they saw like when some lifeboats had come together and they transferred people into other ships. So they had 10 spots left. Yeah. So they came back and Charles would swim over to it and was pulled on board after he'd been in the water for at least about three and I think about three and a half hours. Fucking hell. How did he survive that long? So he was put onto that light boat and then onto the Carpathia when it arrived. There he was examined. And even though he had spent those three and a half hours in the freezing waters, yeah. which killed hundreds of people, yeah. Charles was fine, except for some slightly swollen feet. There you go. Uh, so much so that when they pulled up to get to raise onto the Carpathia, he like his feet were numb, so he couldn't use his feet. Yeah. So he climbed up using his uh, hands and his knees. Oh my god! Fucking fuck yeah! Holy shit! It's like it's like when you're totally smashed and you just like I'm gonna fucking be a car in the Hungry Jack's drive-through. Yeah. Just nothing. <laughs> Stop me! Beep, beep! I'm a motherfucking Holden! Give me a hungry jacks! <laughs> um, but so yeah, he was uh, checked by doctors and was fine except for swollen feet. And Charles was back at work within a few days. Fucking hell. You're off the clock! You're not getting paid anymore! Wow. Oh yeah. There was no workers' comp. Are you okay? <laughs> Straight back to work. So, and this is the question. Like you said, how did this spectacularly drunk man manage to survive the sinking of the Titanic? Well, the leading theory is simply because he got so spectacularly drunk. That's amazing. Now, normally, yes, science will tell you that a drunk person will in fact die of hypothermia before a sober one. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. And this is because when you get drunk, your blood vessels dilate. Yeah. And so warm blood rushes to the surface of your skin. Ah, that's why you look rosy when you've been drinking. Yeah. So it rushes to your skin and it's away from your organs. Ah. So that's the problem. But at the minus two degrees that the water was. Yeah. Science suggests that the water was cold enough to make Charles's blood vessels constrict, counterbalancing his inebriation. The alcohol also importantly numbed the pain that Charles was feeling from the water's sting, or more importantly, didn't feel from the water's sting. Because he was hammered. It also caused him to be extraordinarily calm. As most people were going into shock, panicking, thrashing, hyperventilating, which only sped up their demise, Charles, on the other hand, in his words, because obviously the more you thrash about, you're just burning more heat, you know, so you just, you know, you're going to die quicker. Charles, on the other hand, and these is his words, I was just paddling and treading water. (laughs) Charles 
And I guarantee, because as soon as I start drinking, and as soon, I guarantee, as soon as you went in that water, what's the first thing you do? Break the seal. Oh, yes. And you start peeing. And then once you start peeing, you can't stop peeing. Yeah. He would have continuously been warming himself, I think, for those two hours. <laughs> just pee, pee, pee. Oh. <laughs> so he was just paddling and treading water. Basically, Charles was too calm and confident to realise he was about to die. That's amazing. And that helped save his life. Now, okay, we're going to do a disclaimer here, okay? Yep. Alcohol is not always a lifesaver. No. It has led to a million bad decisions that have ended in multiple deaths. But, (laughs) on the other hand... A study in 2012 looked at the previous 14 years of data from Illinois hospitals and found let me take a, let me take a drink and found that stab and gunshot victims were more likely to survive the more drunk they were at the time of injury. Wow. As well as that that they also found in their study quote, In an ER, cold patients who are really drunk could walk in and they're conscious at a temperature that they shouldn't be. (laughs) So when most people hit the water that night, their body would have reacted to the intense shock of the icy water. Yeah. And many would have wrongly believed that they would only survive a mere minutes in the water. Yeah. And interpreted the intense pain as their death throes, which of course caused them to panic. Yeah. However, experts insist that the initial shock and pain ends after approximately a minute and a half. Okay. They have approximately 10 minutes before you go numb, and they would have had at least an hour before their heart stopped. Oh, what a fucking nightmare. Basically, and their quote was, the average adult is a big chunk of meat. Yeah. And it takes a lot of energy to cool it off. Okay. So think of it as like putting yourself in the, you know, your takeaway in the fridge, you know. Charles unintentionally became almost a textbook case on how to survive such a disaster. <laughs> he checked his... Don't laugh at this. This okay. is true. Okay. He checked his emergency equipment. Yep. Straightened it, make sure it was all secure, kept his life vest on. Yep. He removed any unnecessary items from his person that may have weighed him down. He delayed going into the water for as long as possible. He stayed calm. And looked for a solution to his predicament. There you go. And let's just say it. He held his British stiff upper lip to epic proportions. He was the living embodiment of keep calm. And (gasps) carry on. (laughs) Less thinking, more drinking. (laughs) Woo! Uh, Less dying, more surviving. Woo! Charles returned to his work as a ship baker. Imagine going back on a ship after that. I know. 
Well, because he literally stopped getting paid at like yeah. 1202. Also for him, it was just a couple of hours in the water, doggy paddling around. Yeah, it was actually, he had a bit of a rip-roar a good time. <laughs> I mean, if you don't count yeah. the other stuff. Yeah. So he returned to work as a ship baker. Unfortunately, in 1919, his wife Louise died in childbirth and the wife was also lost. Oh. So in 1920, Charles moved to Patterson, New Jersey in America. There he married, twice widowed, Annie Eleanor Ripley Howarth Cole. Yeah. <laughs> who was originally from Leeds, England. Charles then enlisted in the Navy, the, the American Navy during the war. Okay. And baked bread upon naval supply ships. One of which sunk at sea in 1941. Wow. He was still in the fucking Navy then. Yes. Wow. After this, he went back to sea. What a fucking Viking. In 1943, so this is two years later, Addie passed away. And one year later, Charlie retired from the sea. Wow. So in 1944. Wow. That's fucking crazy. Twelve years later, he was asked to tell his story, which would be included in Walter Lord's book, A Night to Remember. After telling his tale later that year on the 9th of December, Charles would pass in hospital. His cause of death listed as pneumonia. Oh, what? He fucking put that off for something like 50 fucking years. Yeah. He was buried alongside his second wife in Patterson, New Jersey. Now, Stephen Chung, a Canadian expert in hypothermic responses, yes. says, <coughs> It's impossible for scientists to predict who will perform and respond well to extreme situations. Some people give up very quickly. Others, you just cannot seem to kill. <laughs> That's a very scientific explanation. <laughs> Literally, could the ocean have thrown more things at Charles? I know. Uh, but who knows? And perhaps it was the alcohol. Perhaps it was fate bestowing good fortune on a good man who put so many others' lives in front of his home, of his own on that night. Either way, everyone at home, raise a glass to a drinking man's hero, <laughs> Charles. Chief Baker of the Titanic. Woo! I'll clink to that. Clink. What a legend. What an absolute legend. Lucky he's not Australian because he like would literally be our fucking god. He would be our prime minister by now. Yeah. He'd be on so many stamps. Yeah. But it's so funny because it's like um, later when they did like the inquiry, <laughs> it's just, it's all, it's like, what did you do? I, I had another drink. And everyone seems like so. And like, and one question, someone you know was like, "Why do you care so much how how much he's drinking?" Yeah, and they were literally like, "I think it's why he survived." <laughs> oh my god! So I'm just saying, incredible. Die as you know what? If you plan to die as you live, sometimes you, you just may not die. Yeah. So absolutely, he is my legend. That's amazing. He's a personal hero of mine because I, w I, would, I would really love to be that noble and drunk in a crisis. 
Because he was. He saved lives. He saved so many lives. Even physically throwing people into a boat. How how tempting would it be to just be like, well, fuck you then. I'll get in the boat. Yeah. He, he knew the situation. Yeah. Fuck. Fucking put your chow chow in there. What a legend. I know. Oh, there's a part of me. I really just wish that woman and her great Dane had made it over to that boat. Yeah. They should have got them really drunk. I know. If only, if only we knew. Oh my god, that makes me so sad. But anyway, but yeah. So I think that's why we're fascinated by the Titanic. It's just such remarkable stories. Yeah. And I can't wait to make this guy's adventure into a movie. That's got to be one of our movies. The drunk heroes of history. Yeah. Yes, Hammond history's heroes. <laughs> yes. Titanic drinking. I know. If we could somehow bad get him to like battle in zombies or something on board, yeah. we have the next Hammer Horror movie. Absolutely. Fuck, I'm excited. We just need Christopher Lee's corpse. <laughs> I know what a man sounds like when you stab him. <laughs> anyway, what was that? I know the sound a man makes when you stab him. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Oh my god So yeah everyone If you're looking for a sign to get hammered I reckon this is it Absolutely Yeah Unless you're driving a boat Then don't Yeah Speaking of which Am I driving you home? You've given this Jim Beam a hammering I'm not I'm not Titanic drunk No you're not No I'm just I'm I'm lightly sailing You're Yeah You're school running Broken hill drunk (laughs) Sorry (laughs) myself oh my god no <laughs> oh, anyway until next time <laughs> just remember and that's the other thing you know what it doesn't matter how drunk you get a real mothman can still eat the carpet and there's no last drinks on the titanic <laughs> no last <time. laughs>